This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Pow! Locally created, nationally celebrated from the southeast to the northwest. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. It's going to be a really, really rough show today. Really rough. We'd started out with that. And I blame, there are two people to blame for this. People, two automotive brands, that the show is going to collapse on itself today as Rolls-Royce and Nissan. Uh, it started off as going out with Rolls-Royce and Nissan to have light drinks and have some discussions about you know business. And it ended up at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning. I, I really need to go to bed. Like, I really need $1,000 of wine later. I really need to go to bed. Like, you guys are going to have to leave me alone. So if today's show is a disaster... It's all the fault of Rolls-Royce and the... I'm not going to call out the individuals. No, it's not their fault. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to call out individuals, <laughs> but I will say it's a right. It was a, it was a rough It was a rough night last night. Mm, um, baby. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Nick. <laughs> Nick's hurting today. Um, so, Jan, do you like uh, SUV-style SUVs or coupe-style SUVs? SUV styles. I like kind of the bigger, bolder look. But the coupe style is an SUV, but with a slanty back. Yeah, like the X6 versus the X5 and BMW, or the GLE versus the GLE coupe. I like the big. Look. They're the same, except for the back end. The, like from the... the C pillar to the back, it has a, that sleek look. Okay. What do you want me to say, Nick? No, Because every, <laughs> everybody thinks they're so different, and, and it's just this tiny, tiny portion of them that's different. You really just got the little bubble back. I it, You either love coupes or you hate coupe SUVs. You're a hater, clearly. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do you love or hate them? I like the big, bold, boxy look, Nick. Right. <laughs> so you hate the coupes. I'm a coupe lover. I'm a coupe SUV lover. Uh, you're a coupe lover, yes, we know. I, I, but, but SUV coupes. And you also like wagons. Yeah, but there's, they're more like, I don't know. That's a whole different thing. I know it is. But so still. so I went on the X6M and the X5M mm-hmm. drive. The M. They such a good job. Did they? Such a good job. I mean, not a hundred and whatever thousand dollar job, but a good job. <laughs> <laughs> a good job enough that I really want one. Yeah. Uh, but. And, and the Mercedes GLE, I, I want one of those too. I like the coupe versions. I know you do. They're fast. They're they, they were like, do you want to drive the X5M? I'm like, no. I'll just stay on the X6 all day. Thanks. Goodbye. What's the one I like? Isn't that the GLE 63? 68. 63. 63. And you like the coupe or the? Convertible. <laughs> oh, no, you, that's not a G then. That's that's a, an E63. An e. That's it. See, that's yeah. so hard. If you have GL in front of it, it's an SUV. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm going to be doing Ugh. some teachings throughout today's show. Yes, you clearly. are. Uh, what is on today's show, Jen? There's a lot on today's show. There is a lot on today. Uh, yeah, but you, do you? Th- I have to tell you, I appreciate car designers only when I try to draw a car. <laughs> if I get a pay, I want you all just to grab a paper and pencil right now, 
and try and draw a car and see how pitiful your design is. These guys are skilled. Oh, they're amazing. We're going to talk about... Go on. But now people really do get the chance to design a car. Yeah, there's several car companies that have had their design uh, programs going up and whether you have a competition going on. Mark Gillis from VW is going to explain how you can design the new Atlas Crossport or mm-hmm. help in the design. So wait, they've already designed it. What are we doing? This is, I believe, the Baja edition. All right, so you're going to help design the Baja edition? Mm-hmm, I believe so. And if you win, they will send you to Chicago Auto Show. Right. Uh, oh, really? I believe so. So they... Or is it New York? Now well, I no, gotta that's think too about soon. that. It's too soon it, for New York. Yeah. Well, Mark will explain it. <laughs> hey, uh, Portland Auto Show uh, in Portland, Oregon going on mm-hmm. and uh, and or over um, to much this extent. Yeah, well, true. We'll talk about it, uh, how the show was, what was on the floor, you know, some cool stuff. There's some beautiful. It's not, it's, it, you know. You can go to the show, obviously, and enjoy yourself, but it's it's one of the best regional shows there is, the Portland show. Uh, we're also going to be talking to Perry Stern. He's going to tell us about the new BMW Z4. Uh, we're going to talk to Anthony Garbus. He's a cool guy. If you want to know anything about technology as far as Audis are concerned, Anthony is amazing. Oh, and he just rattles it off the top of his head. Yeah. You can't keep up with him. Yeah, what is this button? How, how does this work? <laughs> oh, I'll explain it to you. He's also a video gamer. I'm not sure uh, I can bring this up oh. in the interview, but we he has he has an Xbox room in his house. Do you guys play together? No. Oh. I don't think we play the same games. Oh. Uh, we're going to also talk to uh, Anton Wallman. Uh, a lot of happening in Tesla right now and a lot happening in China. Huge crash because of the coronavirus in China. Uh, U.S. Uh, companies haven't been affected, but Japanese companies, Korean companies, UK companies are going to have to cease production because the parts that they want to be made aren't being made because nobody's going back to work in China. Uh, we also talk about vehicles that should be in your driveway. Uh, what were mine in the last week or so? Um, I had the Hyundai Venue and the Nissan Pathfinder Rock Creek Edition. Um, we also talk a little bit about uh, the X6, X5. We can't talk about the driving dynamics, but we can talk a little bit about the performance. Okay, and let's not forget... Stupidhorsepower.com. <laughs> and let's not forget my favorite vehicle that you got to drive. The C8, the Corvette. Uh-huh. Yeah. I did drive that, and I will tell you, you will be very surprised in what I have to say. I know. I was be very, very You guys will be sh- shocked, uh, You'll sure. be shocked about what I have to tell you, because it's not what you think. That vehicle is absolutely not what you are expecting. What you're expecting? No, not anyone was expecting. Really? They were expecting to be a Corvette. It's not a Corvette. Hmm. Not, absolutely not a well, Corvette. Well, it's a total redesign. I mean. Well, they moved the engine. That was a big deal. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's not, it, it is It is definitely evolutionary rather than revolutionary. No, it's definitely revolutionary rather than evolutionary. Isn't it funny around. too when they, you know, lift the hood and all you see is nothing. The frunk. Yeah. Yeah, you get a ham the sandwich front? in there. Is that what you called it? Yeah, the front trunk. The front trunk. Yeah, you, you can you could uh, you can get a ham sandwich in that trunk. I uh, there are there are a lot of things you will be blown away with this car. There are a lot of things that are going to make your mouth go what? I'll tell you exactly. And 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 I I'm telling you right now, go online and look up your local Chevy dealer and go test drive this car. And they will be arriving in dealerships there. Right now they've made a, a few hundred of them. Uh, out of the factory, they're sitting having final tests done because the few first few hundred that come off a factory floor have to have final tests done. They're sitting and doing all those final tests, and they'll be shipping them to dealers soon. You need to drive the new Corvette Stingray C8 
to experience what I'm going to tell you that's car is like. You, you will be very surprised. Some people will be hurt. You'll be very surprised. All that coming up in our Auto Expert. The show continues. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all of our shows, see our automotive videos, and read inside the car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Jen, why don't you just uh, open your notebook and draw a car for me for a second? No. No. Right. I'm good. I once uh, I once sat down with a very famous designer at uh, the LA Auto Show, Ian Callum, who mm-hmm. designed uh, Aston Martins and Jaguars for a long time. And I, uh, I said, let's draw cars together. So we drew this car, and he, he just turned around and said, no, go back to being, go back to being a TV personality, a radio, radio. person. <laughs> he said, first of all, your car is floating in space. Where's the ground? Oh, and by the way, it was Detroit. My apologies. Oh uh, well, we're going to find out all yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, my, Mark Gillies joining us from VW to talk about this VW contest, which uh, has been launched. It's uh, so you can actually be part of the VW family and do some designing of cars. Mark, have you, were you ever a car drawer as a kid? Uh yes. How were they? How <laughs> were they? Can, can can we post some of them somewhere? <laughs> no, I, I couldn't really do the three quarter ones. I could do the side drawings. All right. I couldn't do. I couldn't really do the like the ones with perspective. So um, I did, however, submit when I was young to a Kellogg's cornflakes contest right. uh, to design a car of the future, and I won a Matchbox, um, the equivalent of a Hot Wheels like yeah. uh, race race set. Wait, so go. That's, that's my own. That's my only claim to fame. Nice. I want to. I, I want to see the drawings. I want to see the drawings. Drawings, as Simon would say on uh, Saturday Night Live. Um, I, I, I'm horrible at drawing cars. I mean, I love cars, and sometimes I feel designers are a pain in the backside uh, because they are so. They talk in languages I can never understand. You know, they'll say things like, well, "So the design is complex but not complicated," and I'm like, "What does that even mean?" <laughs> Half the time. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, then I go to draw a car, and then I have the most appreciation in the world for them because it's really, really hard. And and some of these guys, when they start, they start out, you know, I mean, Ian Callum was telling me over at Jaguar that he started out designing Ford Transit van steering wheels. That's what he did for, like, five years before he got – then he got wing mirrors. Whoa, wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. So you appreciate a lot of the of the design requirements that go into cars, but you're actually giving, giving lay people the opportunity opportunity to get involved in this process aren't you we are yeah we've got a um we're basically going back to baja to go desert racing in the uh, late fall early winter um with a what we're calling the atlas cross sport r race car and what we're going to do is we've well it's already gone live but we've uh, opened up a contest for some uh, anybody who wants to to design the livery of the, the vehicle and i mean there's, there's just a couple of little parameters uh one of which is you've got to use a, a volkswagen r logo and a volkswagen logo but other than that um whoever comes up with what a panel of judges decrees is the best design that that design will be worn by the race truck uh when we go racing with it so it's a cool opportunity and the winner um the prize is to spend a day uh, testing in the desert with Tanner Faust, which would uh, include some thrill ride time as well. 
and you know, having been in a, in a, I think it's a class five car, which is was a beetle on stilts basically when you look at it um, right. a few years ago. Uh, it's really impressive. I mean, the, the things you cannot believe how fast these things go over ridiculous bumps that would basically shake a normal car to pieces. I think, I, although I have massive love for everything that VW do, I have even more massive love when you do your sort of off-road racing vehicles. I mean, even down to the ones that that are really for street racing, even like the Beetle Dune, uh, which harkened back to the Dune buggy. I mean, there's still just, there's some sort of magic about how VW make their off-road vehicles, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, this, one, this one's um, going to be pretty cool because basically um, it's a bespoke chassis, but um, we were actually putting the, the power unit from the old uh, Beetle Rallycross car in there because oh, wow. basically the, the, the drive line is basically the same. So we're going to detune the two-litre four-cylinder motor, which was making about 550, 600 horsepower for the Rallycross, uh, down to about 450 to, to give it longevity. And then the, the actual drive line is very similar to a basically a world rally, rally car yeah. um, with a... Uh, sequential six-speed transmission and, and an all-wheel drive drivetrain that can shunt the, the torque back and forth. So, I mean, I've seen, I've seen the, the mock-up of the car. It looks pretty cool. Uh, well, it's on the, online. If you go to vwdesigncontest.com, you actually get to download all the elements there. You can download the vehicle from three different angles. You get the R design. You get the, the VW um, logo, which obviously you'll want to place, and then the rest of the stuff you can presumably do in Photoshop or in Paint or in something to come up with some ideas. I... Uh, I thought what would be have been a really good idea, and I'll give this one to you for free. You can take it to designers there, Mark. But I thought that the R logo would have been really good as the daytime running lights and the headlights. You know, you could uh, you could have taken that R, which is basically sort of looks like a fishing hook with a swoop underneath it and looks like an R, but that would have been really good for the headlights. I know that's sort of way more than good this contest calls too. for. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Do we go back to the previous conversation where you were like, Ian Callum said, don't give up the day job. Yeah. All right. All right. How about the VW logo? Is that better? I think so. So now this vehicle, when it's designed, is this going to run in races? Is this going to, is it just for show or is it actually going to be the one that runs in the races? It's the one that's going to run in the races. So, um, you know, the, the, the final design is that's the final design. Um, and, you know, there may have there may be some sponsor logos added as well because uh, I think Tanner has his his full time sponsor involved, but um, it it'll it'll look remarkably similar to to what the winner of the contest comes up with. And it's fairly easy. There's only actually uh, five or four design requirements. Um, and then the judging, according to the website, says visual appeal of entry will be 40% of your score. Original and creati- uh, creativity of the entry will be 40%. Overall quality of the entry will be 10%, uh, which is uh, definitely, I'm already down to 90% possible score. <laughs> and uh, appropriateness of the brand is 10% too. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's nicely weighted in the visual appeal. Um, do we have to think about things like color? Uh, this is going to get covered in mud and sand and that sort of thing. So, uh, you you know, maybe we should make it start off with something that's going to be able to seen through mud. That would be the first thing, really, wouldn't it? That's basically yeah, I, I guess at some point, yeah, you, it's going to be wrapped anyway. But I mean, um, yeah, something visible would be good if it's if it's just going to fade into the 
ha-ha scenery, it's it's not ideal because then you don't see the vehicle. It'd be like having a desert racer that was, like, sand-coloured. Right. Uh, right. Okay, that that wouldn't be really clever. No. <laughs> and then, you know, when, when, when something untoward happens, you couldn't find them anyway. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe uh, I always think that, uh, you know, like, police cars have the roofs with a number sprayed on them, so, you know, the helicopter can see from above which is which, but maybe, maybe just for safety reasons, you should spray the underbelly of the car pink, so if it ends up on its roof, you'll be able to spot it from a mile away, <laughs> which is which is always thing you don't want to happen. But if it does happen, you want everyone to have the you know the best outcome, at least be found quickly or something. Okay, Nick, are you going to design one? Uh, uh, as Mark aptly pointed out, perhaps I, not. I think you should. <laughs> I think you should no. just for fun. No, just for fun, so people can make fun of me and tell me what a horrible drawer I am. You never know. Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> I do. I think Mark knows, and everybody knows that's listening. That it's a complete waste of time. To be honest with we'll you, we'll just put your name in the front. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. For Our more shame. Expert. I, I'd like to be shamed even more. Please put my name all over the vehicle, so everybody knows what a horrible design it was. Uh, Mark, when does the contest? Come close um I have to remember i think it's uh, 31st of march mm-hmm. right. so, uh, and i think the plan at the moment is is to reveal the livery on the truck um around detroit showtime so yeah. that that's the current plan so people got that just over a month to get scribbling or as i said you know as you said using uh, uh, some kind of uh, digital design uh, yeah digital design thing like Photoshop, which is utterly beyond me. I'd have yeah. to do it the old-fashioned way with crayons or something. But Love um, I think, <laughs> but I think, I think if you use, as you say, paint or Photoshop, you can at do the end it. Of the day, that's, yeah. it. That's that's going to look a lot better than just sending it in as a you know either painting it on there or, or using using crayons or yeah yeah uh, right. various types of pens or whatever you need to use. Again, you can tell how much drawing I do because I don't even know what these these. Uh, Tools are that you used to use to draw. Thanks, Mark. is where you go. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and all of the other social media platforms. All you have to do is start a conversation with us. You just direct message us at Our Auto Expert. Search it. You know, send me send me pictures of your car. Tell me about your car. I always love to hear about your car. And uh, Jen always loves to hear about how I got to drive the new Corvette C8. And she tells me how much she hates me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you <clears throat> and will be surprised, Jen. Not only that, it was in Vegas. Well, yeah, yeah, but we were way out of Vegas. It doesn't matter. We it were was an hour sunny and a half there. in the desert. Yes, exactly. it was. It was sunny. I'll it give was you that. cold and rainy here. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's sunny. It's warm. Vegas is nice. Actually, it's a nice day today. Yep. It's sure nice day is. Today. Uh, so here's the deal. Mid-engine Corvette. You know, some facts on the Corvette. If you don't know about the new Corvette that's just come out, the 2020 Corvette C8, 11 key facts about this vehicle have changed. The new V8 motor, a 495 horsepower, only if you get the performance exhaust. You get less horsepower if you don't get the performance exhaust. Uh, new automatic transmission, 0 to 60 in less than 3 seconds. The driver sits about 16.5 inches further forward than they've uh, set further forward before. Uh, it has a jet fighter interior space, which is kind of interesting. I like that you hear this all the time from automakers. Oh, it's like being in a jet fighter. 
That's never true, well, ever. Didn't you see the launch where they actually had the astronauts there explaining right. about the? It's never true. Okay. Except in this one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this does feel like, but if you go look at pictures of the cockpit, there's a slight faux pas that happens. The cockpit surrounds the driver. It goes all the way up the side, up into your shoulder, or all the buttons are on your left hand. But look at the passenger space. The passenger is in a tiny cardboard box with a high sidewall. You feel like you're riding in a dog kennel, seriously. As a passenger in this vehicle, it's not pleasant. And you know, since uh, women make 80% of the choices of cars that are bought in this country, they, 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 husbands uh, have to get approval, partners have to get approval. And since women make 80% of the car, allow the car decisions to take place, if a lady has to ride in that space, I think she's not going to be very happy. If a lady has to ride in that space, mm, no. Maybe the guy should ride in that space. Oh, I, I, I agree. If she buys the car, he can ride in that space. That's Whatever. right. Uh, roof still comes off. That's cool. There's room for two golf bags in the trunk. In the trunk? <laughs> uh, no, in the trunk, in the back trunk. But there is a trunk behind the engine. But yeah, I, know. I put it's... my backpack in there when I drove it in the desert. Yeah. And it was only like 63, 65 degrees. It got really hot. Oh, I bet. Uh, there is a lift suspension on the front, which is really cool. So it'll go up 44 millimeters if you come to a speed bump, a sharp driveway. But it's GPS enabled. You can put 1,000 GPS points in there. And as you come up to there, and if you've been there before, and you know you have to raise the front so it doesn't scrape going into your driveway, it'll automatically raise. It'll recognize the position. Very and cool. Yeah, that is very cool. Uh, Right-hand uh, drive will be available, which means that in the UK they'll be able to drive it for the first time, and Japan and places like that. Production is already underway in this vehicle. I'll tell you about this vehicle. It's not what you know as a Corvette. The C7s were leading us around the racetrack. The C7 would go by the last generation. Really loud really loud and really noisy with really great rear-wheel drive. This would go around and it has half the acoustic noise. It's very, very quiet. So can I ask you, is it comparable to like, what is it, an A10 or an A8? No, no, A8's a big car. So you mean um, as far an R8, as with, an R8. Yes, R8, thank um, you. With the engine in the back, does it kind of drive the yeah, same? Yeah, it drives completely different. And really? I will tell you, I love it, yeah. but don't go into this car expecting that you're going to be driving what you know as a Corvette. It's evolutionary in this car. The power, the control is amazing. On the autocross, I killed it with this vehicle. Like the launch control, I killed it. The transmission, unbelievable. The interior design, six seat belt colors, six seat colors. Interior design colors, three different stitching colors, 12 exterior colors, nice. 495 horsepower. An amazing vehicle. Mm -hmm. But this is not what you expect out of Corvette. The transmission, unbelievable. Plus, I have a piece of really, really cool trivia. Okay. They started developing this car. The first development five years ago was a Holden. They used a Holden car as kind of the rear-wheel drive. Then they used the C7 as the development um, of the next generation. On the second generation development, they used the Fiat 500 Abarth rear-wheel brakes as the front-wheel brakes on this vehicle. Oh, that's so Isn't cool. that funny? That is cool. There's your, that's what Brembo did. Oh, and by the way, this vehicle is a starting price of 60 it has a starting price of $60,000. You will not want to drive one unless it's probably around the $80,000. Get the Z51 trim level in the LT3. I'm just telling you, go test drive it. You will know exactly what I'm talking about. The new C8, the new Chevrolet, the new Stingray, 
is not what you expect. That doesn't mean it's bad. You will have a massive jaw drop. Coming up, more Our Auto Expert right here. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Are you thinking about changing your car? Read some of the most informative car reports and see videos that we've made about the newest tech, the latest cars, and even download the nation's car radio podcast at ourautoexpert.com. One of those people that contributes to that website is joining us on the phone, Perry Stern. You can read all of his stuff at ourautoexpert.com or in MSN Autos as well. Uh, Perry, let's talk about the Portland Auto Show. So when it comes to auto shows... Uh, you know, Chicago is great. Our listeners in Chicago love to go to the Chicago Auto Show. Very industrially based. A lot of commercial vehicles available there. Trucks are a big thing in Chicago. Uh, the Seattle Auto Show comes sort of right at the beginning of the auto show season. So they have a full array of everything that's available uh, in on the floor at the Seattle Auto Show, which is in November. The Portland Auto Show is in spring. What, what do you think the Portland Auto Show has to offer people who go to the show? Well, the nice thing with you know, being in the spring is that you get a lot of the new products that have been shown at some of the more major shows, you know, over the last three to four months. And so you get to see, you know, some pretty cool stuff. You know, one of the ones that popped in my head, Jeep Gladiator Mojave, which I think was one of the, is one of the coolest vehicles that were there. Um, that so tell us a bit about that because that's not the regular Gladiator, is it? It's it's not just a trim level. It's actually built for a different job. It is. So, you know, those familiar with Jeep will notice they used to have a, they've had a badge on the side that say trail rated. You know, that's their, their big claim to fame. Well, this one is desert rated. So it's the first Jeep to have a desert rated badge, which would indicate perhaps there'll be more that have a desert rated badge. But basically this vehicle is designed for going high speed through the desert, which sounds like a blast. Um, I am, I think I got invited to the event of this and I'm, it's one of the things that, oh, here we go. Jen's tutting at me already. Uh, it's one of, it's one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, I will tell you that I do enjoy large SUVs and, and I like, I like big vehicles and, and bold and go anywhere vehicles, but I hate rock crawling. It's like the, those people that are into rock crawling, it takes hours to go 50 feet and you have to get up and down. It's really slow. But when you can get a big vehicle out in the sand and drift the back end and those type of things, it's, it's a lot more. It's sort of a mixture. Desert racing is sort of a mixture between a track race and sort of off-roading, isn't it? Exactly. And, you know, the rock crawling, you have to have a lot of patience. And I'm kind of with you. I mean, it's kind of fun for about 10 minutes, yeah. and then I'm <laughs> over it and want to go fast. And I, so, in the de- you know, with the Mojave in the desert, you know, the idea is uh, this one has low range, so it could do rock crawling if you want, but they've built it so it doesn't have to go slow. So you can have it in low range, and then you see a big sand dune in front of you, and you can just put the throttle down and spin the tires, go flying up the thing, and then when you have to climb over a rock again, you slow it down, and you're still in low range. Right, right. It covers both worlds. Right, and I will tell you, I always have those, and you you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you go into these, what they call short leads, where they go and do the launch of a vehicle, and you go out and test it, and you get to play with it, test it, drive it on different kinds of road surfaces, different kinds of courses. A lot of the times when you go to brands who are super, super famous for their off-roading, they really want to demonstrate that to you. They want to show you the capability of the vehicle, what it can do where it can go and how it can do it the funny thing about this is i'm i'm i only need about three minutes of that i'm like okay and (laughs) and jeep's really good at that so jeep is excellent at that when they do events they'll do rock crawling but it'll be obstacles it'll be a couple of obstacles it'll be 20 minutes at the most you do it when you go on a land rover event 
yeah, you see where, where that flagpole is about a mile away? We're going there. It's a two-hour drive. I don't know. Oh, I, I do remember <laughs> the two-hour drive to the hotel over your rocks that you know, were jarring you the whole time, uh, and it took, you know, you could go maybe 15 miles an hour. Right. And there's rules when you do rock crawling as well. One of the rules is that you have to you have to sit in a certain position, you have to hold the steering wheel a certain way. And I remember sort of driving how I normally drive. And, and what I do is I grip the steering wheel with my thumbs on the inside. And the instructor's like, yeah, you don't, don't want to do that. Yeah, don't put your thumbs on the wheel itself because if the wheel spins out, you'll lose your thumbs. So I'm like, oh, hey, welcome to work. You're going to lose your thumbs. Thanks for coming to work today. Uh, it was yeah. just one of those no things. Said it was safe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. But I, I think I'm okay with it not being safe when there's huge amounts of adrenaline involved. There honestly isn't that much adrenaline. Although, I have had fun on some of these Land Rover events when you've driven up a riverbed. Have you ever done that? That's kind of cool when you go I, through water. I have. I have. I have pictures of driving a Range Rover Sport through a riverbed that it looked like a boat because the wheels were underwater. Yeah. And, that, uh, and not to jump over to Range Rover, but it even had sonar in the rear view, in the mirrors to tell you if you're going too deep. Yeah, perfect. You see, that's perfect. Um, I like I like that sort of thing. So the Mojave is a different branch. They've never done anything like this at Jeep before where they've really specifically made desert racing vehicles. Exactly. And so, you know, to me, they're, they're kind of looking at you know, what Raptor, you know, with the F-150 Raptor, it's kind of built for doing that desert running. Uh, so now Jeep's going to have something that um, kind of competes. I would imagine that eventually Ram will have something as well. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun. And of course, you know, with, since it's the Gladiator, you can take the doors off, you can take the roof off, you can put the windshield down, and you can just absorb all of that sand as it flies through there. And You'll I have think, a good time on launch. I think it's interesting to watch these guys do it because a lot of people are doing these sort of vehicles now uh the new bronco uh we saw it at sema we saw the we saw the baja version of the bronco at sema they released that um exactly and so they're obviously in the their new car vehicle is getting to it we just had mark gillies on from vw uh, a little while ago talking about the brand new uh vw uh off-road vehicle they have a desert racer and they have a competition at vwdesigncontest.com where you can actually enter the competition to put the on the vehicle so that's kind of cool so that and then we have the mojave so do you think that this whole desert racing thing is is getting a lot more attention than it has ever done in the past because that's three automakers that we've actually talked about on today's show that are making desert races well it's it's an interesting trend because even the you know as i call used to call them soft rotors the crossovers more and more events i've gone to were you know like toyota rav4 you know where it's a a car that will almost never go off-road perhaps never, and they had off-roading showing it, showcasing how well it can off-road, even in a hybrid, uh, at the event. And so I think there's kind of a push to show, you know, that these vehicles are more capable than you realize. And so having a vehicle like the Jeep Gladiator, you know, showing that it can go flying through sand, or for some people that will be snow, which is probably a little more likely, uh, that uh, you can, you know, get the performance, but you can have a good time, too. Do you think auto shows have a value for, for today's society? Absolutely. I mean, the, the ability to go to one place and compare every vehicle you're considering, I mean, you can see the Jeep Gladiator, and then you can go look at you know, various other pickup trucks or the Ford Ranger. They're all on display. Or if you're going SUVs, you know, basically it's, it's the chance to go look at everything. You don't really have the pressure that you do when you go into a showroom. 
so I think it's it's one of the best consumer products out there for shopping for a new car. And then at the same time, you also have product experts who aren't salespeople, but they're provided by the company who can actually just tell you about the vehicle rather than sell you about the vehicle. Exactly. And so, you know, you can learn everything you need to more than just looking at it online. You can go sit in it. You know, you may find that the car that was your dream car, you sit in it and find it's not very comfortable and you mark it off the list where something else you didn't even realize existed as you're walking through the show catches your eye and you may end up with a car you never even thought about. That's true. And I think some people, well, how many times has somebody called you, Perry, and asked you to help them buy a car and they've been saying, or let's say a truck, and they're saying, well, I'm not sure whether I want to buy the Silverado or the Ram 1500. Explain them to me. And then they call you a week later and say, yeah, I got I got a new vehicle. And you're going, oh, great. What did you decide on? Prius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's that's the nice thing about the auto show is you know you don't have to uh, do it all over the phone and like you said there's product experts there to tell you all about the various vehicles and uh, really explain them but you know if you decide you want to buy there are typically ways you can just buy the car there as well. Yeah, so it's, if it's a know, dealer it does, show. It takes away a lot of the pressure. Yeah, like, so so I know Seattle show is a Motor Trend show. Uh, Portland show is a, is a dealer show. Chicago show is an association show. So I guess that would be a dealer show as well. Yeah, it sort of depends which show it is. Now, uh, the local press got a tour of the Portland Auto Show uh, from several manufacturers, uh, stopped by to talk about some of their products. Uh, what else did you guys learn about? Well, I think you know the one that stood out for everybody, and probably one of the most popular vehicles there was the new C8 Corvette. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody wanted to do interviews on that. Exactly. I mean, this was the first mid-engine Corvette. Uh, it looks fantastic, and you know it's been a little slow in coming. They've been talking about a mid-engine Corvette for years, but from everything I've read, uh, I know you've had a chance to get behind the wheel. I have not yet. But everything I've heard is that it makes even bad drivers look good. Yeah, I, I, I will tell. I told everybody in the last break before you got on, Perry, that um, it it will surprise you, and not necessarily for the reasons that you think. This is not a Corvette. It this vehicle is not a Corvette. It's not what you understand a Corvette to be. Yes, it's the new Corvette, and this is how Corvettes will be in the future. But it doesn't. It's not loud. It's not uncontrolled. There isn't masses of amounts of rear wheel power. This vehicle is con- very controlled, very easy to drive, 0 to 110 miles an hour in 6 seconds. This vehicle is amazing. The transmission is amazing, but it's not a Corvette uh, that you are used to. And I think that's why I'm telling everyone, go and drive it, because if you're expecting loud and powerful and you know, almost out of control, this vehicle is completely the opposite from that. I think, I think that's the surprise. When you think about it... When you think about it, it is kind of what Corvette was originally. I mean, so it's a high-performance car that competes with a lot of the, you know, more well-known sports cars, but it's affordable. It was for, you know, for every man uh, or woman. And where the the C8 is kind of the same way, it's bringing a mid-engine sports car, which, you know, typically a mid-engine sports car, you're talking Audis, Ferraris, I mean, Lamborghinis, you're talking high-end vehicles. And you've got a mid-engine American-made sports car that... It's fun to drive, it's well-built, and it's, you know, relatively affordable. Do you think that this will have trickle-down economics and we'll see a mid-engine GTR and a mid-engine, you know, Viper and all those type of things? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, 
the fact that it took them this long to build it, it's not something that you just, well, we'll just put the engine in the back. I think it, it takes a lot of change and a major overhaul. And, you know, but those other car companies will probably see how Corvette does. And, you know, there's, you know, someone's got to be first. This yeah. Time it was Chevrolet. Yeah. Would you, the question is, would you own one? Well, see, for personally, that's not my car. Really? I, you know, I would love to drive one. I would, if I had, you know, six or seven cars, it might be one of them. Okay, we but, all know uh, that that's he's pers- a that's Miata guy. Yeah. yeah, Jen's outing you as a Miata guy, by the way. Yeah, you're a Miata guy. I am, and it's- you know, Miata, you know, is is probably can have as much fun in a Miata with about a you know quarter of the horsepower. Um, yeah. But. But there's something to be said for, you know, zero to 60 in, what, three seconds? <laughs> 2.9, my friend. 2.9 is absolutely attainable. Yeah. I would also tell you I would buy this vehicle if they made a SUV version of it. That's what I want. Like, the, oh, uh, like bite the, your tongue. Bite your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> like the Urus. Mid-engine, mid-engine SUV, that's yeah. what we need. Yes, like the Urus. <laughs> like something like the Urus, but make it mid-engine. I'd be into that 100%. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do it? It would be awesome. It oh. seems like it's sacrilege. Does it? Be fun yeah. to dr- it'd be fun to drive, though. Uh, Perry's going to join us again after the break. He's going to talk a little bit about driving the BMW Z4. Um, we also want to see if you have driven the Supra and whether you compare them or what you think about both of those in between. You can read Perry's stuff at ourautoexpert.com. You can also uh, see all of his work at uh, msnautos.com. More show coming up. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If has a problem, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. On the phone with us is Perry Stern, who writes for Our Auto Expert's website, along with MSN Autos. Perry, recently you got to test drive the brand new BMW Z4. You know this conversation is absolutely going to degrade into a Z4 versus Supra conversation, don't you? Uh, you know what? That's fine because I like them both. Right. Well, that's a good one because that's exactly how I feel. So let's talk about the Z4 to start with. The vehicle that came with two powertrains, which until recently the Supra did not, um, it has six different colors. I was actually, when I loaded the web page to go look at building one and the options, etc. I was interested to see that the first color that comes up is called San Francisco Red Metallic. Not sure what makes a San Francisco Red different from another Red, but it's definitely not the 49ers Red. It's interesting. I mean, well, you know, who knows why they name colors? I swear that they have a dartboard and they just throw darts and come up with crazy names. Well, I know, I know um, at Honda that the PR staff get to name the colors. So Germany comes up with the colors, and uh, so I mean, then Japan comes up with the colors and they get to name them. But who Nis- knows how Nissan that, did that too. Fun. Oh, yeah. Well, that's cool. That would be entertaining. Yeah. Well, the one I was driving, the BMW Z4 I was driving, was frozen gray metallic, which looked very, very good. It was basically a flat gray with red leather interior. It was uh, a very nice uh, combination. Oh, they don't offer I should that. say it was magma red leather they, interior. They haven't. They don't have that here on the website. Maybe that's a special some edition. They have black sapphire metallic, but there is there is no uh, frozen one. Oh, which frozen is gray is an extra option. It's thirty six hundred dollars oh. more. Oh well, they, and then you have gray. to wait. And then it's because it's metallic. You have to hand wash your car, right? 
Oh, probably. Yeah, probably. No, no thanks. But yes, uh, thanks. the Z4 I had, what's that? Yes, yes. Go ahead. Uh, the Z4 I had was the M40i, which is the uh, more powerful version. So the one that Supra is now getting, uh, where the Supra before was 335 horsepower, this one was 382 horsepower. Uh, so an extra 50 horsepower is noticeable, most definitely. Um, it is so much fun to drive, though. And, you know, no manual transmission. Uh, Super doesn't have it either. But the eight-speed automatic, if you're going to have to have an automatic, it's really good. It downshifts when you expect it to. Uh, it's just very quickly. And I know the exhaust note is somewhat faked, but I don't care. It sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on the exhaust notes. If you have a faked exhaust note, as long as it makes me feel good and gets people to turn their heads and look at me in the car, I'm good with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you take your foot off the gas, and as it downshifts, you know, that rumbling, you know, kind of uh, uh, almost like a spitfire. Uh, you know, cool. I, I can't believe it's not butter. It's not butter. So that's not, that's fake, too. That's fake butter, and that just tastes fine to me. Sorry, yeah. go on. I mean, and, who cares? and by <laughs> the way, you're like Nick it. Miles. Everybody's going to look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because otherwise no one would look. Right. That's right. See? <laughs> See? Uh, all right. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it is a great car to drive. I mean, the top can open or close in 10 seconds. You can do it at 30 miles an hour. So as I found when I was driving along in the northwest, and it was sunny when I left, but by the time I was moving along through the, the nice roads out, you know, north of here, it started to rain. So just slow down a bit, hit the button, and I was covered up. Um, the the car actually looks fairly aggressive at the front as well. BMW have gone to these, or a lot of car companies have gone to these new grills where they have these sort of little pieces that stick out of the grill. It's not like a wire mesh or a diamond shape or a honeycomb, but they have these sort of little pieces that stick out of the grill. And I actually make, I think it makes the, the vehicle look a lot cooler. Absolutely. I mean, it's and it's new technology. I'm, guess, I'm guessing they weren't able to do this before. Uh, but when I had, you know, it did have that, that mesh grill, but it was very interesting in that, you know, some of the bars were different color or like a brighter color. So it, it gives it more of a 3D. I mean, yes, it's real. So it's 3D anyway, but it gives it more depth. I noticed, too, that the vents on the lower fascia are actually uh, sealed. I mean, they look like vents, but they're, they're blocked. Um, and that, yeah, that bugs I, me. I noticed that on the Supra, too. I mean, the Supra has these vents at the back of the door that look like they're cooling the rear brakes but there's nothing there. What I figure is eventually there will be a higher performance version where they'll have to open those up. So I, I see that as a, uh, you know, giving me hope. Um, with the with the, the bigger engine now coming to the Supra, do you think that's, I know that, I know that Toyota are concerned about the sales of these vehicles because even though they're Halo and people love to drive them and talk about them and everybody wants to sort of pretend that they're their favorite cars, nobody actually buys them. Right, and that's the case. You know, any kind, any time you're talking about a two-seat sports car, coupe or roadster, you know, obviously it's a limited audience. This is not a car that, for most people, can be a daily driver. Uh, and you know, with, you know, for the Z4 I drove, I mean, this is a seventy-four thousand dollar car. Uh, to have a seventy-four thousand dollar car that is not your daily driver puts you in a different realm of shoppers, and they're just not going to sell as many. I can't imagine that they really went in thinking they were going to sell a lot of them. You know, it's it's just, you know, it's not a Camry. 
Uh, and, and and still like uh, they're doing things, you know, super starts at fifty thousand dollars, and it's you know it's hard to get it much higher than that. Uh, the difference between the Japanese and German automakers is the Japanese automakers don't have huge amounts of options. You have like you know packages you can add that uh, that put a few extra things on the vehicle, but it's hard to get it ten thousand above starting price. You know, they don't have a right. huge what breadth. Right. I mean, and the Germans are the opposite. I mean, the, you know, if you ever look at a Porsche 911, for example, you can almost triple the price with just options. Uh, I drove an so ML. The Z4, I mean, the Z4 has $10,000 worth of extra options yeah, on it, yeah. which, I, of course, includes the $3,600 paint. I, I drove an ML when they still made the Mercedes-Benz ML. And it had the Designo seats or Designio, whichever you, however you want to pronounce it, seats inside. Mm-hmm. 35000 just for the seats. <laughs> It's like, whoa, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the vehicle started at fifty, fifty thousand, or fifty-five thousand, and the one I had was ninety-six thousand. That's a lot of options in a vehicle. It is, it is. But you know, when you look at the Z4, there aren't a lot of high-performance two-seat roadsters out there anymore. Right. So, you know, if that is something you're looking for, I mean, there's Miata, uh, there's Boxster, there's Z4, there's you know, and then you're getting much higher end. There, you know, it's. So if, if you're looking for something with performance, because Miata, is, it's great fun. I mean, obviously, I'm a big Miata fan, but they don't have a lot of power. Right. So if you're looking for something with power, you've got to spend more money. Yeah. All right. Perry Stern, you can read his stuff at OurAutoExpert.com. All of his articles are there. Uh, him and his uh, partner, Mike Meredith, they write a lot of stuff for the website. You can also read it at MSN Autos as well. It's always great enjoyment to have Perry on the show. Well-informed, uh, knows more about cars than most people that I know, including myself. And he's always uh, got a great point of view, even if he does like me. Coming up, we're going to continue our sports car stuff. We're going to talk about the new Audi A5. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all of our shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Find them all at ourautoexpert.com. If you go to the website or our YouTube channel, one of the most viewed uh, YouTubes that I've ever done is with the Audi Allroad. And uh, the star of that video is joining us on the phone right now, Anthony Garbus, to talk about uh, the new A5. You're a YouTube sensation, aren't you, my friend? It's really the uh, the highest viewed one that you've done. <laughs> it's one of the highest views ones we've done. I think it had like uh, 200,000 or something the last time I looked at it. Huh. So there you well, go. That's great. That was a fun one. They, well, it was. Uh, every time we're together, it's a fun one. Even if we do spend a lot of our time talking about <laughs> Xbox and not Audis, it's always. Uh, that's true. It's always. Are you still playing Xbox? You know, uh, unfortunately, more than I care to admit. <laughs> okay. Well, me too. But you know, we uh, we have to find our release somehow. So Audi yes. A Audi A five. My agent, by the way, used to have an Audi A five. And he used to tell me all the time that I paid for it. So um, maybe you could tell me about the refresh so I know what I'm paying for the next time around he buys a car. So I guess we really we can talk about it as a, as a family because the A4 and A5 refresh happened at the same time. Right. And so uh, the A5 refreshes new lights, new bumpers, uh, new taillights, new wheel designs. Um, and on the side of the car, we reworked the side sill to create a little more tension. Uh, on the body. So A5 as a whole, like from when it launched back in 2008 here, um, you're always going to have a similar look to the car. It's kind of an iconic design. And so 
you look at a first-gen A5 or second-gen A5, and you know this is an A5, kind of like what we've done with the TT right. throughout the three generations as well. Um, uh, one new thing that uh, is also very cool that first started with the R8 and then trickled down to, uh, you know, the A7 and uh, some of the other cars is the uh, laser headlights. So uh, on the A5, now you can get Audi laser light, which is a supplemental laser high beam uh, that's a little bit brighter uh, and uh, a little more distance than a standard LED high beam. Uh, which is pretty cool. And uh, when I really think about the main change uh, that you will notice every day is the new infotainment system that we get in the car. Oh, the new so MMI. You, before, you, don't, you don't call it an yeah. MMI anymore, do you? You call it something else, or do you? Well, so so it is the MMI, the Audi Multimedia Interface, um, but it is uh, MIB. So like that's their modular infotainment costume, which is like our modular infotainment system. This is the third generation. So it's it. so now it's so people are calling it the Men in Black, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we've had it for a while now. It'd be one, okay. two, two plus, and now three. Um, what about so... N- MIB International, which was the last movie? <laughs> no, I haven't seen that one. Is it worth it's it? Good. Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. it doesn't have anyone you recognize in it, but it's still worth it. I know. I mean, no Will Smith, and I just don't know if I'm that interested. No, no, know? they did a good job. Um, they did a good job. <laughs> Um, yeah, but we switched to now the new uh, touchscreen uh, in the car. So the center screen got larger. It's up to 10.1 inches now. It's full touch. There's no more uh, rotary knob anymore down by the gear. I don't know. I like, and, I like uh, the rotary knobs because you could – is there a pad, though, you can still scroll on? It's called the screen. Oh, it's the screen. <laughs> so do you scroll on the screen? Yeah. yeah so um, you, don't have, you don't have the little touch knob anymore. Uh but what about the handwriting recognition? Because that was something you were super advanced at. Yeah, which then you just write on the screen. Okay, all right. And well, it's I'm, nice because you have a big screen to write instead of you know the little like two-inch circular pad. No, I'm good with that. It's just much faster for me to write the name of the address where I'm going than it is to uh, for me to you know rotary and click. So I do. I like the. Squ- well, I mean, I. Go on. I hear you. In the future, I think uh, everything is voice-based. So it says our natural voice recognition in it, um, and you just tell the car where you want to go. Yeah, I see. There's and a huge problem. There's a huge problem. So. No, no, there's a huge problem with that, Anthony. <laughs> What's that? I have an English accent. I have never met a car. <laughs> I have never met a car in my life. That, I mean, I've never met many people in my life that know what I'm talking about. But I have never met a car that knows anything that I'm talking about. I'll say something like... You know, uh, I'll say, please take me to wherever. And the car will go, volume seven. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. I think, hey, well, you're just going to have to start talking like an American. Yeah, no, that's never going to happen. Yeah, but... no, no, no. You're way too cocky for that. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. I, I have no, no skills whatsoever apart from this accent, which isn't a skill. It's sort of a, you know, it's a, a societal, uh, but I have no skills apart from the accent. So that's the only thing that keeps me, keeps me employed slightly. I mean, hey, stick with it. Work it. You <laughs> it's, got it. It's good. You have a car sponge brain. That's all I can say. Oh, he whatever. just absorbs it all. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's get back to the car. <laughs> Before we digress, <laughs> what what's the whole deal with? So when I went on the A six A seven launch with you, um, you showed us these. You took us into this deep dark winery underground in a tunnel, and you showed us the amazing oh. headlights, which uh, will turn off just in segments where you shine a flashlight at them. So like an oncoming car would not be blinded by the high beams. Great technology, amazing. Audi leading the world in headlight technology, but the U.S. government were like meh meh. 
Yeah. So you're referring to like the matrix lights and yeah. the HD matrix lights that you had on the, uh, uh, the A6, A7 yeah. um, and some of the C-segment cars. So yeah, we have uh, matrix lights. So like the headlights in the car um, are available as matrix LEDs. However, the function is disabled because it doesn't meet the, the current laws changed again uh, recently uh, for lighting and uh, not in our favor. And so that's why no one at the moment has like a LED-based uh, matrix system. There's some people uh, that use uh, like a motor to move the light a little bit, but yeah. you get very little uh, range on that. Whereas we can like curve it around a car. You, can know, I... you can split cars in between if you don't right. blind anyone. Right. Can I complain to somebody about that? Like, is there, a, is there an email address? Dear U.S. government, please get your headlight <laughs> laws in order so uh, we can have advanced tech. Trust me, we are uh, we are we are uh, definitely putting a lot of effort into that to trying to get everyone aligned. And now you know we have uh, um, the digital uh, matrix lights that we are showing on the uh, you saw the Utah Sport back yeah um, at LA. So at a pre night event, we have the digital matrix lights that uh, can like project patterns onto the road like a crosswalk and it can show you wow. like your tire tracks moving forward so you can see where your car will be in the lane like all this very cool stuff but uh but we have to wait we work with our archaic lighting technologies or lighting <sighs> uh, regulations that we have here maybe we can give out brad sturtz's email address so people can email him at audi so he can take all our well, complaints to the government <laughs> he is very very involved in that always always see him on the phone uh, talking to the government to try and change the law. All right, in the last minute that we have left, let's talk about some of the specs of the powertrain. Zero to 60 in... Sure, you're uh, for the H5 yeah. Quattro uh, Sportback. You're at 5.7. Five, right, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, if you go up to the I mean, S... It's crazy how fast cars have gone lately. Right. If you go to the S, we're talking like maybe shaving a second off that? Yeah, you're 4.4 for the coupe and 4.5 for the Sportback. And what do you prefer? Is it a 3-liter engine or a 2-liter engine? Which are we talking is the better? Well, I mean, I'd go for the RS, yeah. to be honest. Me, me too. Me too. Um, I, I'll stand outside the rest of the day waiting for my car to be delivered, by the way, Anthony, just you know, to make okay. sure it shows I hope up. it's warm over there. <laughs> are, you, are you telling me I'm going to be waiting a long time? You might be waiting a long time. Oh, dude, come on, you're supposed to send these vehicles to me. Starting price of the new Audi uh, S5, oh, sorry, A5 and S5. The A5 is 42,009. Oh, reasonable. And the S5 is 51,900. All right. Are you an A4 or an A5 guy? That's tough. Um, I don't know. I spend a lot of time in both. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do an S5 Cabriolet this right. summer. I love that car. Um, but uh, the Sportback design is just gorgeous. I uh, mean, there's uh, no reason not to get a Sportback. You have the best of every world. You're preaching to the choir. Anthony Garbus is from uh, Audi. He is the tech guy. He knows all about these vehicles, and he is one of my best go-to guys for everything Audi. You want to test drive this vehicle, head over to your local Audi dealer, A5s, S5s, whatever, A4s even, if you want to not be as cool as Anthony and I. That's, uh, that's where it's at. Coming up, we'll talk to Anton Warman about what's happening in China. Sales down 92% in February. That's on our auto expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Our Auto Expert is on your Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us and a question by direct messages at 
There's another thing I wanted to ask you, Jen, which is about uh, driving under the influence. Because I, I recently found out something very interesting, and I was thinking about this. I'm very pro the legalization of marijuana. Not for the reason that I partake, because I don't, but for the reason that I think we should spend a lot more of our time chasing around more serious crimes and drugs than I do marijuana. So small quantities, I'm very happy with people having recreationally. But I do have a major problem with the fact that there is no roadside test, apart from the sobriety test, for police officers. There's no blow in a machine and tell you how intoxicated you are. First of all, everybody responds to marijuana differently. Uh, some people are unable to drive after just walking through a cloud of smoke. Uh, some people are able to drive without noticeable impairment after having much more than that. And so I, I, I'm just wondering whether there is a test uh, being developed right now to do this. Do you have a problem with people smoking and getting in a car and driving? Of course. I have a problem with the smell. It really makes me nauseous. Of, of marijuana. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're sitting, you can't even have your windows open sometimes in the summertime at my, at my house because everybody's smoking it in the neighborhood. It's, it's just, it's not very pleasant yeah, for there's me. That, there's that sort of thing is that I don't particularly want to be polluted by it. Yeah. But I'm still super concerned because unless you can't stand up and you fail a sobriety test, and then there becomes this legal challenge. A blood test doesn't work. All a blood test will do is tell you that the person has it in their blood, but it stays in their blood for up to 30 days. Mm. So driving under the influence is a huge problem. And I, I just don't think there is a resolve to that. I mean, I've heard figures banded about in both directions saying once a state legalizes marijuana, there is less likelihood of uh, you know people doing criminal actions, and I've heard it the opposite way, is it increases criminal actions uh, because of marijuana. Accidents increase, uh, impaired driving, uh, people failing the sobriety tests. But ultimately, it's a really difficult question. And I know people that smoke and they drive. Now, not when they're off their minds, but they'll smoke a little bit and, and then they drive. So um, that's infuriating. You know, it's just like the drinking and driving thing. Of course, I have an, a problem with it, so. All right. Anton Warman, independent analyst and investor, joining us on the phone as he does every week. Uh, Anton, it looks like Chinese car sales are in big trouble for February. Yeah, well, this is death warmed over. There was a decline already in January before the major issues surrounding the virus issue really hit the fan right about uh, the last day or so in January. Car sales... We're down in China by about 18% already in January, and now in February, it looks like they're down 92% so far. So the market has basically uh, gone almost to zero, and uh, this is having repercussions all around the world. Uh, it's uh, Sales in China is one thing, but then we have, of course, the supply chain, where car factories located across the globe are having to... Uh, stop production because uh, one critical part is mis missing because it comes from China or that part and uh, maybe consisting of other smaller parts that in turn come from China. And uh, this is all coming to a screeching halt. 
this is going to benefit those people who don't have anything made in China. And the interesting thing for me is when you start to look at car companies who are impacted by this, I mean, the Indian auto industry is now saying that they're going to have to start closing factories. Uh, Nissan has suspended production at a factory in Japan because the parts they need from China are not happening. South Korea's Hyundai is having the same problem. Uh, but those car companies who are American-born, bred, and have their parts made here probably stand to get, have an advantage at this point. That would be the case, but how do we know really at this point who actually is not impacted from this in the sense that they may have had uh, stocks that ours were somewhere on a boat already or somewhere in the works that they can continue to manufacture their vehicles for maybe another month or two. But if ultimately the part has something that comes from China somewhere in its food chain, then all of that comes to a stop. And you can't just... Uh, get this thing re-fired up from some other supplier very, very quickly in many cases. Some cases perhaps, but uh, complicated custom-made computer parts and the like, uh, that could take at the minimum many, many months, like uh, at least a couple of quarters before they could turn uh, those ships around. All right. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover, we've got a minute left, but Jaguar Land Rover uh, saying that they have about a month's worth of parts left. This is a company that's already been hit by several billion dollars of expenses this year. Could this be the final blow in the curtain for them, or do you think they'll be able to bounce back? Well, this is just an example, again, of uh, what happens here. Their factories in Europe are running out of parts, as is Fiat's factories in, I think, Croatia or Slovenia. And, uh, of course, their sales in China have gone down by uh, certainly a lot more than 90%. So it's a big problem for them, and I think this is going to be a big problem for other companies uh, so similarly situated. Right. Let's. Uh, when we take a break, after the break, we're going to take a quick look and find out what you think the future is going to be of these companies, because if China continues not to be able to produce those parts, if China continues to have trouble getting those parts uh, into the supply chain, um, presumably companies like Jaguar Land Rover, like Nissan, like Hyundai, have already worked on an alternate plan. But where is the stop in production going to leave them? And at what point do they have to say, uh, we're in real trouble here? Because companies like Nissan and Jaguar Land Rover are not as healthy as they'd like to be. That's all coming up after the break. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Are you thinking about a new car or changing your car? Read some of the most informative car reports and see videos that lead the newest cars to our website. They have new tech, new car uh, features, and of course, you can even download the very cool podcast, which is a version of this show that gets put up online every single week. It's all at OurAutoExpert.com. It's uh, Nick Miles, your host, along with Truck Girl Jen on the phone, Anton Warman, who is an independent analyst and investor. So so we're talking about how China has been impacted by the COVID-19 virus, which is still pretty rampant uh, in China. The outbreak in Iran, there's also outbreaks in South Korea. Uh, but what's happening in China is it's impacting the auto industry because people aren't going back to work. Parts aren't being made. Many of those parts appear in cars that are purchased in the United States. And therefore, some car companies are now impacted heavily by this and unable to produce cars. Nissan already shut down a factory uh, temporarily in Japan to do that. Who's going to run out of parts, Anton? What's the list? What does it look like? Well, I think that uh, anybody who is uh, most deeply integrated with the supply chain that uh, comes from uh, China, and that is, frankly, almost all the automakers that we touch today in the market, especially here in the U.S., because 
uh, when it comes to things like infotainment electronics and so forth, so many of the circuits uh, that are in infotainment systems and in electronic control module systems that govern the functioning of engines and motors and batteries, uh, they tend to, almost all of them, uh, have at least some components coming from China. So I think that this is going to be very, very hard to avoid. And you're looking right now at the tremendous spread in South Korea that uh, I would not be surprised if it shuts down the companies like Hyundai and Kia completely very, very soon. We saw uh, just in the last few hours a, a mobile phone factory in South Korea shut down. And, you know, mobile phone, car, I mean, it starts to look very similar. We also have in South Korea several U.S. military bases with tens of thousands of people, and many of those workers are Korean. They're on there, and in the last couple of weeks, uh, American soldiers have been flying back to the U.S. from South Korea unchecked. So we could have uh, several thousands of these carriers in the U.S. right now just waiting for the two- to six-week incubation period to uh, take foot. So I would say for the next uh, two to six weeks, I think we're, uh, we're in for some really extremely nasty surprises on these shores. I've said for a long time that the COVID-19 virus has the uh, possibility of becoming a massive pandemic and it's a lot serious, uh, more serious than people had thought initially. Um, I've supported that argument. I believe that argument, but I think the impact is completely not realizable by the whole world of what this is going to do. So let's say you're in a logistic supply chain for a company like Jaguar Land Rover or Nissan or Hyundai or Kia, and you're looking at the fact that you may be limited in what you can produce because those parts aren't available out of China now. You've already been working on a solution. How long until those solutions can go into into action? And presumably there's not that many other places in the world that can produce these parts because once you have four or five companies trying to move their production out of China, let's say for a chip, a video chip or a video screen uh, for somewhere else that's used in their vehicles, I mean, you're going to use up the available companies that could do this very quickly. And some companies are going to be out of luck not being able to get the parts. Exactly. There's a huge rush to the exits now, and uh, some parts you could probably substitute them within about three or so months. Uh, others could take a year or even longer, and then when everybody rushing to the same exits, that also causes that enormous scarcity problem that also drive up prices, which will increase the cost of producing these vehicles. But ultimately, think about this. There's an additional whack-a-mole uh, scenario coming up here. Is If this virus truly is now going to spread to not, you know, far outside of China and start to get into factories in Korea and other Asian countries. And of course, what about here in the United States and in Mexico? It's just a matter of time before it happens here too. And maybe you move the supply chain to the United States or Mexico or uh, Philippines or some other place, some place in the world. Well, uh, what good will that do you if those places also get shut down in the next month or two? So yeah, this is going to be a far bigger problem than people have uh, thought about. And I think that uh, governments uh, and others have been uh, far too slow to react with really uh, thoughtful and harsh measures that really should have been taken already uh, three or four weeks ago. I mean, I'd like to put in there that it has the potential to be. Uh, we don't know the outcome. We, we've seen some changes in the numbers recently where they have slowed with new infection cases in China, which is great news, but that doesn't mean it doesn't spread across the world uh, by some carriers. The incubation period of two weeks is very difficult to trace because, you know, somebody can be walking around at that time being a super spreader infecting other people and they have no idea. So there's potential here but it's uh, by far from certain. So let's talk about this. Does this 
help some of the automakers who have been struggling with cars sitting on their lots they can't get rid of because let's say cars become in short supply and uh, car companies aren't able to produce new vehicles there are some car companies that have vehicles sitting on lots for you know 180 days or so is it going to help them shift some of their product if there becomes a shortage in product that's a very interesting observation, Nick, and I think that uh, the answer to that question is yes, that that will help to offset some of the losses that those same companies will take uh, from the fact that their their new production uh, simply will be out of uh, commission under a scenario like this, which, again, I agree with you completely that um, uh, there are many unknowns here in terms of how this will play out, but uh, I think that an offsetting factor is that the inventories, the existing inventories that have been built and been placed around the world uh, could end up being um, uh, priced uh, not at the kind of discounts that we would have seen otherwise had normal production been proceeding at, at a normal pace. If you're a potential car buyer and you're heading to a dealership in the next month or so to buy a brand new vehicle, uh, where, where do you think you should land? Do you wait a little while until sort of vehicles are uh, until we know, or do you go in early and buy now, hoping that uh, these prices don't start to rise or that subsidies, which you get off the hood? I mean, GM is well known for walking into a GM dealership and you can get money off of the hood of a vehicle before you even really get into a test drive. So do those subsidies start to disappear? Um, how is the timing? What, what's your suggestion on timing of buying a new vehicle? My suggestion is that if you are going to want a car at the best possible discount, you probably move here very, very quickly within days or weeks. Don't plan waiting for another month or more. I think that the best deals are going to be had now because of precisely this phenomenon that you're talking about. The moment that the market gets a whiff that new car production is not going to be replenishing regular within days or weeks away from that happening with some of the major brands, then at some point people are going to say, well, I'm going to hold on to these stocks a little bit more and not discount them so heavily because these stocks that we currently have in inventories are going to have to last quite a lot more longer than we thought. They're going to have to maybe last for a few months, and as a result, uh, there will be no discounts. In fact, you could see a scenario where people maybe start charging premiums above MSRP starting in the next couple of months or so if this uh, continues. So I would move extremely quickly and precisely for the reason that you mentioned. How does this affect some car companies who are about to roll out new models like uh, the Ford's Mark E and those type of things? Presumably they're going to have a stockpile of parts sitting there already and they know how many cars they have to produce. But do you see new vehicles like the Land Rover Defender and these sort of things being extended, the launch being extended of these vehicles because they're unsure of production scheduling? I have heard in the last week from very large uh, automakers that um, they are now looking at postponing certain launches. I can't tell you which, which brands or which models, but there are things that were in the works to happen uh, in the next handful of months. And now these companies are, are really scrambling and figuring out, can we even do this? Would it make any sense for us to, uh, you know, kind of give people a date at which uh, these units will be produced in mass quantities? And I think these are, this is panic moment around the world right now. Huge panic. And uh, in terms of it uh, simmering up to the surface, 
uh, we've seen the early bubbles of this yet, but you better hold on for dear life for the next uh, one, two, three weeks because it's going to get a lot worse over the next one, two, three weeks. How is this going to affect Tesla? Well, Tesla's in there. I mean, Tesla had a different problem. They had a problem with um, a huge seasonal decline in sales coming this quarter anyway for a few reasons. The last vestiges of the U.S. federal tax credit expired on December 31st. So a lot of buyers bought in December and weren't going to buy now. And some of the other buyers are waiting for the Model Y because the Model Y essentially substitute for the Model 3. And then in Europe, over 50% of Tesla's Model 3 units sold in the last couple of uh, months of the year were to one tiny little country, the Netherlands, which only constitutes 2.3% of the European population, but they were 54% of sales for most of the last quarter of the year. Those sales have now gone down by over 98% in the first quarter. So with that off the table, Tesla's looking at a huge decline in sales in Europe also. So that company is, is suffering from things that are completely unrelated to any virus issue at this point, that uh, anything that happens with respect to, to the virus would be on top of these things. But Tesla had other problems even before the last couple of weeks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, a list. Is there a list available of car companies that are going to run into trouble? Do we know who produces cars in China? And do we know who's un uh, unlikely to be able to get parts out of China? Or is it a guessing game? Well, so, I mean, we clearly know who actually makes cars in China and in what constellations they do so. I mean, of the Western companies, General Motors and Volkswagen are the two biggest companies that have these huge, large joint ventures in China that both of them produce over three and a half million cars per year there. So in terms of the sheer number of units produced in China until recently, those are the two largest. Uh, and then, of course, everybody else has some activity there, but everybody else is, uh, is smaller than those. Uh, let's talk quickly in the last minute we have left. Heads rolling at Daimler Chrysler. Uh, sorry, not Daimler Chrysler. At Daimler uh, following a 64% profit cut. Yeah, so what's going on there primarily is that the cost of uh, selling more and more electric cars in Europe in order to meet the European CO2 mandates is becoming enormous for not just Daimler, but in this case, Daimler has shown that their profits are falling by about two-thirds, and they are firing tens of thousands of people as a result of the cutbacks that are necessary to, um, uh, to feed these far lower margins that they have to live on when they have to sell uh, more cars that cost more money to manufacture, but they can't charge more money from because the consumer hasn't changed their attitudes that this is simply a regulatorily driven uh, scenario. All right. Consumer level of sales uh, for car data 2020, uh, electric cars up, uh, overall sales, sorry, up in electric cars, but Tesla down? That's right. Well, Tesla overall, in terms of absolute number, they may not be down. They might be up a little bit. But and in, and in Europe, the sales of electric cars are going to go through the roof because of the mandates. U.S. should be right about flat, and Asia uh, would have been up. But now with the recent events, uh, you know, anything is possible there. We were just way too early to tell.
All right. Anton Wallman is an independent analyst and investor. You can read his uh, stuff at Seeking Alpha or on the street uh, or at the street, uh, which is really a good place to go read all of his stuff. Very insightful to what's going on in the automotive industry. And he joins us every week here on Our Auto Expert. If you have enjoyed listening to today's show, the podcast is available at OurAutoExpert.com. Just scroll to the bottom of the website. There you can see a link and you can listen to all previous shows and get some insight into new cars trucks and SUVs that are hitting the market. We'll be back again next week with a fun-filled show. Until then. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.